0: Greetings citizen. Welcome to the show and thank you for listening. For more of the art of war gaming in your life, definitely check us out on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to support the show, we have a Patreon account where you can do just that for as little as $1 a month. What we can offer will expand as the show does. If you don't have extra funds but would still like to help us out, you can give us a like, share, or five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to get in touch? Feel free to message us or hit up our email Art of Wargaming Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you because we know the world is vast, with many different ideas on tactics and strategy that can be applied to the games we enjoy.
1: you Art of
0: on the Network. Belagard history
1: Regarding two Western Empires. Welcome to
0: the Art of War Gaming on the Ear Verm Network. I am Yaga Malark. And I'm Thumbs. And we are here today to talk to you about two Western empires within the sport of Belagarth. But before we do, a few things on the personal note. I am absolutely geeking out about the most recent construction that I did in Fallout. Now any of you who have played Fallout 76 know that within it you can construct your own base. And I have constructed a three-floor monstrosity with boxes built into the middle of it with turret coverage at all angles, and it's smack dab in the middle of the cranberry bog, and I feel pretty okay about that. That's one of the, for those of you who don't play, that's like one of the higher-level zones.
1: And uh, it does just fine. My base does just fine. So, having never played 76 myself, when you have to set up a base, do you just have to worry about defenses, or do you need to worry about, like, food? Stuff no, like that too or? that's a
0: good question uh within the base uh, you can do just about anything you want like you can grow food if you want to like food is a fairly active component of the game so having some in your base that you can just have is a good idea i, I typically have a small farm at my base i've got a, a chicken coop that i can uh, harvest fertilizer from now I, I use the fertilizer to make missiles uh but it's it's also very useful for that uh water you can set up water purifiers again. Wa- uh, clean water is a hard thing to find in a nuclear wasteland, so I've got a, a, like a bunch of water purifiers there, and then I've got one room completely dedicated to musical instruments. Got like a banjo, a slide
1: guitar, a piano, all sorts of good stuff. I'm glad to see that because sometimes I'll look at these like bases the people of, and I don't play these games, so I'm not throwing shade really. But like I'll see these bases the people design on am like, It's perfect. I'm like you would die in a week in that, and yeah, not from like people attacking because oh sure those laser turrets are perfectly set up, but like where's the well?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool survival stuff to this that that they definitely take into account. Now some people just set up their base and they're they're raiders. Like you can definitely be a raider or a settler in this game, Add a little bit of both if you want. I tend to fare way more towards the settler side because I like being able to, again, grow my own food, uh, which is, again, pretty important to me. Now, some people just go out and raid it, take it from other folks, and that is fine, but I like the dependability mm-hmm. of having it right on
1: hand at my base. No, my gripe is entirely just I have read too many war treatises or listened to too many history podcasts or all of the stuff that we do.
0: Right. Uh, well Yeah, come visit me in the Cranberry Bog if you're ever on with me at the same time. Yeah. And you were talking about some cool reference that you had heard in Doctor Strange.
1: This is an example. I mean, we we know I know nothing about 40k other than generally what I have learned in this podcast. Hmm. So it's a sign of how much this podcast has really kind of like filtered in is I had to watch the Doctor Strange movie for a different podcast I'm doing. And there's a point where Stephen is being given a bunch of new books to study for magic and stuff. Okay. Uh, and one of the books that he is given is the Codex Imperium. Ooh, very nice, very nice. And I was like, well, there's only one thing that is. But also, I don't feel like the Imperium would like being included in, being included in a study session about how to do magic.
0: No, for sure. Uh, outside of a very small subsection of the Imperium that is allowed to practice uh, any sort of psychic ability or magical ability... Uh, yeah, it's it's very much frowned upon. Psychers are mutants within the 40k universe, and so the the idea of the Codex Imperium being studied by somebody who was, uh, by their regards, a heretic.
1: Oh, a hundred percent heresy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's still amusing. Still very amusing.
1: Uh, it's it's one of those things that the more you get involved with stuff like 40k, the the bigger you realize it is without knowing it because of places that they'll slip things into
0: oh yeah I mean 40k has been around forever at this it's as old as I am oh man
1: I just called myself old right uh and I mean this was a this was a major motion picture it made hundreds of millions of dollars and they just slid that in right there good for them
0: (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool I like that uh Speaking of Warhammer 40k, though, there is this app that is out. It's like the official Warhammer 40k. I think it's called Battleforged app, and it's super convenient. You can put all your codexes in there. There's a little code, and you have access to all your codexes on there. It's got a section where you can build a Battleforged army. It's got all the Warlord traits and and relics and all that sort of thing. So it's actually a really solid app that uh, I think it's Games Workshop. They did it directly. Uh, It came out. So, I mean, the updates are going to be right there. It's like I used to use Battlescribe and like Battlescribe is nice, but in the same token, you have to wait for a really long time occasionally for those updates to come. Uh, The nice thing about this one is that from all uh, appearances, the updates are going to be immediate. I mean, any FAQ, any sort of uh, alteration to the rules, you're going to know about it right there. So that's, that's convenient. That's pretty
1: game changing for 40k.
0: yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying it. Uh, obviously, I'm not doing too much with list building, because I haven't played in quite a while. But I
1: am uh, looking forward to using it to its full extent. How many lists have you built over the last year of quarantine? I'm just curious. Good God. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I, I, I could not give you that number, because um, it's been many. Because... <laughs> I saw in, like, one of the, you know, confessions posts of, like, oh, man, I'm thinking about building a new kit for myself, even though I just made a new kit at the beginning of quarantine. I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. Right. I have made so many kits for myself and for other people in this last year, because, like, if it's wargaming, if you can't fight, all that's left to do is the other stuff. And there's a bunch of other stuff, but that means super focused on certain things. And for me apparently that means
0: uh, selling off a few of my armies and buying new ones uh, and then just looking at the boxes. Folks, I have never had a pile of shame before, which I believe is what you call a pile of unbuilt models, but at the moment I do. I've basically purchased a, a, a sizable and functional Gene Stealer Force, but have absolutely
1: no motivation to put it together at the moment. Do not feel bad. I am my, my art room in the new house isn't set up yet, so I am just in this little like nook with all of my art stuff. And I am literally surrounded by my unfinished armor wall of shame. Like, pile of shame. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one.
0: And I'm sure out there, our listeners are kind of feeling the same thing. So just know you're not alone. It's been a strange year uh, for, for anything along our art, what we enjoy, this war game and stuff. So, uh, uh, you know, tough it out we'll be doing the stuff we love before too long
1: well i'll get through this together
0: mm-hmm. now uh a few episodes ago we had mentioned that thumbs was going to be taking a small sabbatical in order to work on some of his other projects now we intend on having thumbs back on uh for you know various interviews and for uh, the battles and such um but uh, thumbs why don't you tell us a little bit more about the projects that you're going to be working on
1: yeah, um, I've had a couple of projects, almost all of them with my buddy Tyler, who is one of the other founders of the Earworm Network, because we started our podcast, General Nerdery, um, around the same time Art of gaming started, and we really quickly realized that we had too many bits, too many things that we wanted to be able to do with the podcast to fit. So now we have three podcasts. and Just all of them are nerd-related, but this lets them be a little more... Focused. And not not quite so all over the place. Yes. Also, it keeps them from being four hours long. Oh, well, we we know <laughs> all about that. Yes. Same <laughs> here. Uh, first off, we have General Nerdery, which has been around forever, which is literally just general nerdery stuff. I mean, we have episodes on anime or video games or. Uh, Comic books and movies and TV shows are kind of our most common ones. We will talk about what we have been ingesting. We will talk about... uh, We just did one on King Kong last week. Nice. Great. I had so much fun with it because I got to watch Kong Skull Island, which if you haven't seen, is a great popcorn movie. And and talk about things that we enjoy about it. Talk about things that we don't enjoy about it. We did an episode on Your Fave is Problematic, and we've been talking about doing another one of those, which is just, you know, how do you deal with... Uh, finding out that someone who made something you really like might not be the best person.
0: H.P. Lovecraft. That would be H.P. Lovecraft for me.
1: H.P. Lovecraft came up a lot in that one. uh, Because Tyler is Latino and is a big H.P. Lovecraft fan. So, all of that. Um, For sure. uh, We also have Word Balloons, which is just a short joking around podcast we uh where we'll discuss weird nerd questions one of the questions coming up this season is who would win in a fight the goblin king or the goblin king because someone got into a conversation with me of different people who have dubbed themselves the goblin king Mm. and that includes the spider-man villain norman osborne aka the green goblin right and also jareth the david bowie character from labyrinth
0: well also there's the goblin king from underneath the misty mountains did you forget
1: about him uh, and then there's the Errol King, who is basically the like king of the wild goblins of the fae from various mythological things. So there is a whole bunch of goblin kings that we're gonna have to decide between. Nice. Uh, and just short, fun questions. Those podcasts end out at about fifteen minutes long. Oh, right on. At the long end, so it's a it's a nice like listen while you drive podcast, which I I always enjoy those. Short and sweet. Yeah. And then, as I said, because we're crazy people and we started doing bi-weekly and just swapping at which one we do each week, we are launching one called Noob Island, which I have mentioned here before, which is the first season is a deep dive into the world of magic in the Marvel Universe. Hmm. So, for example, we have an episode coming up on uh, vampires because there's this huge vampire like lore and culture in Marvel. And we discuss, like, the comics that it came from and how it works. You know, what is the rules for being a vampire in Marvel versus being... Uh... Let me at them. Yes, exactly. Uh, the, the next episode is an episode on vampire hunters, so that's the one that's built for you. Ooh. Uh, right? So, really, if you have any interest in nerd stuff, uh, this is really just shameless plug. Earworm has all sorts of stuff for you. We would love to hear from you. We would love for you to hear us... Uh, everything. All of the above. If there's something you're interested in, we probably have it. And if not, we're probably looking into ways to get it.
0: That's nice to be a part of a rapidly expanding network. It gives me all sorts of stuff to talk about, so.
1: hmm Uh, it's been really interesting trying to be an expanding network in the age of COVID. But in some ways it worked out because it let us, like, we had early expansion plans and we had to kind of stop and be like, all right, we can't expand too much because just literally with COVID, there's only so much we can do, like even meeting up to discuss things. So it just forced us to spend time doing stuff like Art of Wargaming or General Nerdery or Fried Squirms, which is a podcast that I'm not on, uh, and forcing us to get better at our craft before we expand it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've definitely, I mean, there's been a lot of things about this pandemic that I have not enjoyed. For instance, not getting to do wargaming, not cool. But the ability to just kind of dive into my books has been very nice.
1: Oh, I have read so much this last year, and I love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we wish you luck on those Endeavor's Thumbs, and we absolutely look forward to having you back to discuss
1: some of the stuff we're talking about and, and to do some battles with us. I'm so excited. The battles has always been... I mean, it's, it's openly always been my favorite part of doing this podcast, so doing <laughs> more of them is just... Mm. Who doesn't love battles? That's,
0: uh, I think there's a lot of folks who can relate to you on that one. Mostly the people in them don't love them, but everyone else thinks they're pretty swell. That's a good point. That's an, <laughs> that's an awfully good point. But yeah, I think uh, I think we've yucked about for long enough. It's time to get into this episode regarding two Western empires, and the first of those empires we will be discussing is Pike.
1: So I hate to start this with a well actually but uh <laughs> the the empire that this first empire we're talking about is not actually the Pike Empire, but Pike is part of an empire of the Babylonian Empire. Yes. Which is confusing if you do not play Belagarth. We will get into this uh as we get a little deeper into this. But Pike is a a pretty fun empire. Or not Empire, I did it there, that's on me. Pike is a pretty fun realm uh, that I've known and liked a lot of people from it for a while, so it's actually kind of fun to learn much more about it. Malark talks directly to the people, so he will be answering most of our questions for this section. And I, I got a, uh, the majority of my answers from Dyer. Hi, Dyer. Hi, Dyer. Uh, who is both Gelf and Pikeian?
0: Yeah, so she's, she's going to come up quite a bit in this episode.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering how, like, for Stygia, it's Stygian. How do how would it? Uh, what would you call someone from Pike? I guess Pikeian. Uh,
0: Lord. I don't even know. That was A one. piker. That was one question uh, I
1: didn't ask. That's ah, okay. I didn't even think about it till right now. So sorry for this. <laughs> Pikey? No, no, not that. No, I, I feel like this is too close to uncomfortable phrases that I don't know what they mean. <laughs> First off, when was this realm founded? Well, this time actually is a rather
0: surprise to me because I had the impression that Pike was a fairly old realm because of the number of good fighters they command. But actually, they're only uh, about 11 years old. They were founded back in 2010.
1: Now, I'm curious, and we didn't ask this question of if fighters who were already active in Belgarth then went on to found Pike, or one of those realms that founded from just like popping up out of nowhere and then joining bellegarth i'm always curious and i sh- we should act- add that question i think in the future might not be a bad idea because i that wasn't one i specifically asked
0: so i i don't want to like take a stab mm-hmm. at that and be wrong and have everybody from pike be listening and be like oh
1: he got that completely wrong that dummy no, we definitely already hear anytime we make a mistake, and we love you for doing that, dear listener audience. Like we, we definitely want to uh, correct ourselves when we are mistaken. This show is all about academic accountability. Uh huh. Where is this realm located?
0: I, I think we already
1: mentioned, but it's out of Portland, Oregon. This is a pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy Bellegarth, uh port of call, I guess.
0: Yeah, the the area boasts quite a few realms, both north, south, and east. Not so much west, because you have the ocean there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's a little hard. I mean, I guess Atlantis, but... But in the other uh, three cardinal directions, you actually have a very thriving scene for Belegarth. So Pike is very nicely situated uh, kind of between all
1: that. Yeah. Uh, how many people, fighters and non-combatants and just people in general, are in, uh, in the realm? And what's the average field size
0: well pike has between 30 and 40 members at any given time but the average field size is only 5 to 10 and again this was information that very much surprised me because again the number of quality fighters they produce i expected them to be much larger of the scale of Dirtamarian. but they're small they're about our size
1: mm-hmm. uh I, we tend to have a larger average field presence than this we uh, 10 is a relatively small day for us
0: now that being said from my understanding a lot of the pike folks uh have i live in like larger households where you have multiple fighters living in households and so mm-hmm. i imagine that a lot of them are getting
1: practice there at home the as you and i have talked about living in a fighter house definitely means that fighting becomes a pretty pretty dominant thing in your life uh and I, i'm definitely not knocking pike on the smaller size uh Generally, you see a wider variety of skill level. It seems like everyone I meet who comes from Pike who fights is worst case sitting in the like solid mid upper level of the like mid tier skill level of fighters in Belagram. Right, and when that's your lowest case, you are doing quite well for a, as a realm.
0: Absolutely, and and I'm, that's you know mostly down to the the pluck. And the determination of the members, but like we said, these fighter households definitely contribute to that. I I saw a massive explosion in the Stygian skill when there was there were like two big fighter households that were kind of in the the valley. There was ours at the door place, and we had what six mm-hmm. of us living there. And then the. And
1: like four or five people just around all the time. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, you know, the, the Juniper and Sumatai house, they had several people that were boarding there as well. So they had a, a, a community of folks that were fighting there, and we had a community of folks that were fighting just down the street. And so in both of those places, you saw a, a massive increase in skill just because of the amount of practice that you're able mm-hmm. to do.
1: Oh, definitely. I should also say real quick because I anytime I'm like, oh, someone's at a mid-tier level, I, I worry that I sound like I'm being insulting. I am best case mid-tier level. So, I am definitely not insulting by saying some like trying to insult by saying that someone is at that skill level. Word. Yeah,
0: it's it's not a dismissive thing. It's it's a a compliment especially in this case because m- most realms have uh, like a pyramid almost where you've got a majority of the realm that is okay, you know, they're, they're decent but not anything necessarily to write home about not to knock y'all, but, you mm-hmm. know there's there's definitely skill levels and then you have a, a smaller portion of the realm that is, you know, they're pretty darn good they're pretty well sought after and then there's like a creme de la creme at the top you know, you have, you know, three or four people that are exemplars of that community whereas Pike, it's the whole realm they're all just there, yeah
1: they all are, mm very impressed when i learned this
0: yeah yeah so again as uh, throughout the course of researching this i just became i I already thought pike was a very impressive realm
1: and the more i know about it the more i'm like wow these guys are cool uh so thinking of all of these cool people who are some of the uh prominent members of the realm the first one we need to discuss is bear
0: Mm -hmm. this is
1: a cool guy he is one of the sweetest men i have ever met in my life When you want to talk
0: about, like, boosting up camp morale, Bear's the one to do it.
1: More than once, Bear has been the first person to greet me at an event, and it is just, you know, like, I I like Bear. I've known him for years now. Uh, He's a real solid fighter, but the first thing I think of is pulling myself out of a car. I've been stuck there for hours. I don't smell very good at that point. And just him just popping up and just immediately, like, the kindest, gentlest hug of, like, I'm so glad you're here.
0: Just has a, a, a calming smile, very gentle way about him. Yeah, he's he's a good president. Now, uh, absolute firebrand on the field too. Do not mm. do not let that cuddly exterior
1: uh, trick you, because he's he's a force. That man can stab with a spear like nobody's business. I am always so impressed.
0: Yeah, no, no, Bear's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the next one we have to speak of is Fish. Another uh, highly um, decorated member of the realm Who is also another extreme positive influence on the community
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone we talk about here are people we like So we are definitely heaping it on But Fish is another one of those just uh, Even though he can just tar my hide up and down the field The first thing I think about him is Well, honestly, the first thing I think about him is When he grows a mustache, he grows it better than anyone else Oh, yeah but, um, just one of the most, like, gentle and kind people. He's one of those people that when he tells me he's glad to see me, I have never once doubted him.
0: One of the few people that can, can absolutely wreck me in a fight, and I feel better about it.
1: hmm Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, he's got kind of a poxia in that. Of he's like, you're doing great, man. And you're like, Fish, please stop telling me that until after the fight, at least
0: like you're kicking my butt right now man yeah fish is fun our next fighter to talk about is wadu and she is another one of those kind of unassuming folks that will just light you up one of my first encounters with wadu was in a sword and board tournament and i i had never met her before i i'm not even sure how long she'd been around but of course i made the biggest mistake you can make in war or war gaming which is underestimating underestimating your opponent this don't do that oh yeah this particular uh tournament was the kind of the best of three and she beat me twice i did not stand a chance because the first time she just completely destroyed me and then the second round i was still just dazed from that first beating and and did not put up a very good fight i was um amorous afterwards i was like you are awesome and i'm gonna (laughs) follow your career because this is exciting uh but yeah i didn't i did not expect that
1: this goddess of a woman is so gentle until it is time to hit you. And then you can watch her face, like, solidify. And you have a moment of, like, wait, what? Oh, she has great war and, face. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's a picture of her with some murder mask. Uh, and I think a flail. Because her flail game is pretty strong, if I remember probably. Oh, yeah. And that look. And just this, like, absolute fire look. And I'm like, oh, my God. That is that is kind of who i aspire to be in life in some respects like uh, she's got the warrior soul no
0: doubt uh-huh no doubt our next fighter i i have to admit a bit of favoritism for dyer is one of my absolute favorite people in the world hands down i i just adore this girl out of out of bellegarth of course and also within bellegarth because she has been one of the most motivated People I've ever seen. She is constantly involved anywhere she is. Like she, she is volunteering her time and contributing to the effort. And not just that, she is probably one of the best well-traveled Belagrim I've ever met. She's
1: lived in more realms than uh, just about anybody else I can think of. I'm very hard-pressed to think of someone who has spent more time in diverse areas of Belagarth than Dyer, and. I mean, beyond just us being big fans, she is a gone but not forgotten Stygian. She is with uh, she's Gelf. She is. We are very, very tied into Dyer on this podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah. But again, not and, and we're not just blowing smoke. Again, she is absolutely a a chief contributor. I never see her sitting still. Uh, yeah. So she is, and and not just that. Let's talk about her fighting ability. That that well traveled, that experience that she's gotten. You know, she's. That, that's all those lessons from all those different areas and all those different people that have come together into one fighter i remember the first time i was fighting her i, I could not figure out how to fight her because at that time i was all about the scorpion rap. i was all about being tall which i am i'm 6'3 and reaching over somebody's back and smacking them on the lower back or booty that was my job that was the one shot that i was perfect at and then i met dyer and she's considerably shorter uh-huh.
1: She doesn't care about your scorpion wrap. She has no concerns for it.
0: No, she just, like, tilted her shield back, walked right underneath my shots, and killed me. Like, killed me for months until I was like, okay, I need to drop my weight, I need to, you know, find some new shots (laughs) to throw, because she is just schooling me. Uh,
1: You know, her shield work is fantastic. I just... uh, Tops. When Dyer moved to Missoula, she permanently changed the meta in Stygia. Absolutely. Like, just that alone i'd you know let that be praise to her combat uh and i mean there is never i can never fight her and take it easy like at all like if i'm fighting her i have to be fighting her you and i will sometimes have fights where we're uh, we're there and we're sparring but we're mostly using it to kind of like talk or warm up or whatever yeah appreciate each other's company uh, I always appreciate Dyer's company but I've never been able to have that kind of lackadaisical fight if I'm fighting I'm fighting or she will punish me yeah she's got
0: the wolf spirit there and, and <laughs> any weakness she goes for the throat and I love it i like you know that, those kind of fighters definitely make it so much fun to be out there I love that that kind of competitive spirit so Dyer we love you um, keep doing what you're doing god we miss you speaking of groundbreaking kind of trend setting people within Belagarth. Our next person to speak about from Pike is Troll and if you don't na- know the name troll you have not been around in this sport long enough because he is one of the most influential people when it comes to monster culture when it comes to monster garb i mean heck there was one chaos wars that i won best garb and i had totally just ripped off his garb like i was i went mm-hmm. to juniper and i was like make me something that looks like troll stuff i love his patchwork look it is just so cool with a long hat and everything i was just completely in love with his look and, and I remember he and I were the finalists for that, and they, they said that I won, and I was just confused. I was like, <laughs> no,
1: he's the master, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> oh, I still love that garb set, the one that you won with, by the way. Just oh, I've still got it. It's, it's threadbare
0: oh, it's... as heck right now, but I've still got it. Um, <laughs> and, and even just beyond that, he's, a, again, a very positive force at events. I constantly hear him storytelling.
1: Um, it, yeah, he's a really cool guy really cool and possibly most importantly he is one of the most moral bellogram that i have ever met he is an absolute uh champion for justice in kind of every level and he's one of the smartest people i think i have ever met oh yeah absolutely
0: yeah so he's he's a not just a a credit to pike but he's also just a credit to the to the sport really like I'm not sure where our culture would be as a community without him because he's just been so influential. And don't let this downplay his fighting ability um, because he's also fierce on the field. Everybody we talk about here, everybody who's a prominent member from Pike or even just a member of Pike,
1: you can bet that they're a good fighter. Oh, yeah. All of these people, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, their skill is so high. I know we've covered this, but their skill is so high, Malark. And speaking of
0: absolute tanks, our next fighter is Bishop. Now, if you've never faced Bishop on the field, you probably have both of your kidneys still in the right place. I have a legit been a little scared of him ever since he hit me in the kidneys. He's, he's amazing. He's a, he's a big <laughs> guy who swings like a, like a Mack truck, and it's very satisfying. But it's important to say this, he does it safely. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's not, he's not out of control. He's not hurting people or anything like that. He, his shots are very planned out. They're
1: not wild. They just have good penetration. They're not wild. They're just wild. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, neither one of us has a whole ton of experience with Bishop. Every experience I've ever had with him has been good. I don't want to, like, understate that. But every. the rest of these people were like, oh, they're so lovely. I like Bishop. I just have never had that chill experience with him. So it's a little harder for me to uh, talk about him other than he hits like a truck and he has been just wonderfully kind every experience I've ever had oh yeah
0: he, he seems like a very joyful guy and he's absolutely the party at nightlife like he's he's, he's always out there you know g- giving off positive energy and interacting with people making sure people feel included uh, yeah he just seems like a swell fella no doubt he's, he's who I think of when I think of like of God Squad in a lot of ways he is kind of like iconic in that way <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no doubt our next fighter is Acorn and of course, we in Stygia love Acorn because she is one of the few people who has actually made the effort to come to our events. So that alone makes her awesome. But in addition to that, she as a person is just awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. she, again, when you want to talk about a fight, like when I first met her, uh, it was Chaos Wars 9, and she wiped the floor with me, I assumed that she had been around for a long time because she had the determination, the confidence, and the skill of somebody who had been in the sport for quite a long time. I think she had joined like only a year or two before I did. So I was sitting Man. here thinking of her as just this like paragon of experience when, you know, she was just out there at kind of at the same uh, experience level. I was just doing a lot more
1: with it. I will say going to your first event, especially if you had just been going to practices like casually for a while and you're like doing okay. But then you talk to someone who just wipes the floor with you and they're like, Oh, this is my first year. And I'm, like, Ooh. Oh, I feel... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. I, I gotta start lifting weights or something, because I feel little. Acorn is an absolute inspiration to me in Bellegarth. uh You know, from the first time I saw her, which would have been at, like, Chaos Wars 14, and just watching her wreck the field, to... Uh, she was immediately so friendly with me. Like she, you know, met me the first event. The the next chaos I was at. You know, I didn't go to an event for a year. She remembers me. She gives me a hug. She talks to me like world friends. And that woman's skill off the field, as a shield creator, is out of this world. Oh, for sure. Her dip shield shop stuff. I'm not sure how active she is in it. She had to kind of take a backseat for a while. But anytime she comes out with a, look what I made, I have to up my art skill like four levels just to just to even see what she's doing. For sure.
0: Yeah, I, and and her stuff, I, I think it's been kind of featured at like a national level. I know that there's all sorts of people that have purchased from her. I, I know you guys got one for me. There's I've got a plastic depth shield that is it's one of my absolute favorite shields. It's got this really cool design that's that's very me and it was one of the best birthday presents I've ever got and It was incredible
1: uh craft and skillmanship that went into it. only reason that I don't have one of my own is because right around when I started making enough money to actually be able to invest in my own gear is right around when life kind of took her took her away from being able to do it as full time right and so I had to start to learn to Plasti Dip just like to be like, ah. but um, anytime I'm doing Plasti Dipping, I am not like comparing myself to her, but she is my, uh, she's my gauge looking at her being like, that's what I want to be able to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Also highly intelligent, highly articulate. Uh, another one like Troll, who is just an absolute, she, she is a dogged defender of truth and and in pursuit of uh, justice so even uh in just like who she is as a person
1: outstanding just an outstanding individual and her willingness to talk to people she disagrees with and like she'll absolutely fiercely fight for what she believes in but her willingness to to keep those lines of communication open is uh i think pretty admirable and she got more patience than i do that's for sure Ooh, both of us together probably yeah
0: so yeah acorn Awesome. If you ever get a chance to meet her, do so. It'll be a good experience. Our next fighter is well-known as well on and off the field, but for something different off the field. He is our own personal rock star,
1: and I'm going to let you pronounce his name because I always mess it up. Ser. That's the one, Ser. Ser is both God Squad and Gelf. He is a fierce fighter. He is a sweet man. He is great at music oh yes uh, he did my first experience one of my first chaos wars experiences was the dirty words playing and it wasn't until years later that i realized the who the dirty words were and who sarah was mm-hmm. he's still making music he has a couple songs that are kind of like on my iconic Bellagarth experiences and one of the songs we can't say the name of on this podcast for uh <laughs> swear word reasons but um uh, Heck, Idaho. We'll go with that. I have to listen to On My Way Home from Chaos Wars every year. Uh, he is, I believe, a dragoon uh, knighted by Dopp. I, he might just be a normal knight. Um, but, I mean, Dop knighting someone, that alone is level enough of, like, here's their skills. Right. These, these people deserve it. I watched one of his upper-level uh, God Squad trials, and it was fierce. And he he kept it up through the whole time i i haven't seen sarah in a while and he doesn't do social media much so i haven't talked to him but i just i just love
0: that man yeah he's cool and and kind of going back to his music stuff uh he gave the first concert i ever saw at a chaos wars and up until that point i had been really on the fence about whether or not i liked electronic music of any sort at events before that the culture had been all hand drums and you know, pan flutes, didgeridoos, or, or whatever somebody would bring to the fire. And you'd have this nice little communal drum session. And I was still very married to that idea. And then I went to the Dirty Words concert. And I became far more amicable to the idea of more of that happening. Because that... Like, it turns out that this is awesome! It was good music. They had great stage... Or, like, uh, crowd interaction. The, the energy of that place was just amazing. It, it was one of my best Chaos Wars
1: experiences. Yeah, I I really miss Ser. Like, he's one of those people that, if he lets me, he's going to get a very long hug once we're able to do stuff again.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's a nice fella. I, I think that's entirely deserved. Our next
1: fighter is Slate. Uh, Slate, I'll talk a bit about him here, because I think I know him a bit better than you do. Yeah, most likely. Uh, he's Gelf. He joined the same year that I did, so we have kept in pretty close contact. Um, I had known Slate for a couple of years, but my first real experience interacting with him was his night's trial. And we still joke about this, because the fact that he likes me at all after that is uh, very kind of him. Yeah. Because he had to go through this long trial of... Uh, he had to go around this, like, uh square fence space in at the western war site okay and the first part he had to fight certain number of people and it was all two on ones and then the second part was all three on ones and the fourth part was all four on ones or no it was four on two at the end uh he he was able to get like allies but still he had to prove several levels of fighting it is one of the best knighting trials i have ever seen i loved that trial huh. um but my, my boss, Dio, came up to me, because I was still a squire at that point, and he goes, get your hammer. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. And we both pulled out our hammers, and he goes, okay, so Slate's going to beat us pretty fast here. Our entire goal is to both hit him with a hammer at the same time from both sides. <laughs> and we were one of the first people he had to fight, and I'm like, Dio, that's one of the meanest things I've ever heard. And he's like, yep, let's do this. And so, one of Slate's first experiences with me is Dayu and I repositioning his kidneys from both sides. So, just kind of joining them into one organ in the middle? Uh-huh, and um. I... I, there's video of it, and I have watched that video, and you can see the the force hitting from both sides. And he has been one of the kindest people to me ever since. And if that was my first experience with someone... I mean, I know we do a fighting thing, but I'd still have that, like, oh god, you... Just a little bit of resentment. Yeah, or like a little bit of like, oh, God, in the prep. But no, he is 100% kind, and he has some of the coolest armor I have ever seen in my life. You know, suddenly, I, I think... No,
0: I I think I do actually know Slate. I'm sorry, Slate. I, I'm sitting here playing ignorant. You brought up the
1: armor thing, and I'm like, this guy sounds really familiar. He's got that amazing kind of like admiral's hat armor. Yeah, yeah, that was... It is, like, defining armor for, like, in the same way that Acorn is goals, mm-hmm. Slate is sort of goals for me. I'm I not trying to that. make the same kind of armor, but anytime I'm making armor, I'm comparing, like, that is a level that I'm comparing it against.
0: But not only is he well protected, but he looks good doing it. Oof. So, yeah, Slate, good guy, amazing artisan. Uh, look forward to seeing you as soon as as soon as all this lifts and you can you can tell me off for having forgotten you momentarily <laughs> there's so many belegram guys there are there's a there's a lot of us uh our next
1: fighter is vey vey um neither one of us know vey particularly well but we have always gotten along with her oh yeah uh, she is she's very friendly to stygia uh her god squad name is blasting Bastet. oh that's wonderful. And that is very appropriate, because I have never met someone so obsessed with cats in my life.
0: I know one or two that might come close, but she is definitely up there. It is, it is very impressive. <laughs> and so is her fighting ability. She, she's another one of those that, that'll surprise you, because she's so cool off-field and just seems so relaxed that when she suddenly springs into this fighter stance and, and comes at you, it kind of takes you off-guard. Because she's just got this
1: easy way about her. And we've talked about underestimating. I was... I fought her in one of her earliest events. And I did... like. And she showed a lot of potential. But I did pretty well against her. She was very new to the sport. I was pretty experienced at that point. And then I saw her at the next event. And I thought I knew what I was ready for. No. When the fight came on. And I was not. Her skill level that she jumped was just amazing. Like... She was already good, and then by the time I saw her at the next event, she was great.
0: And a lot of that, of course, was down to her own individual dedication and, and internal ferocity, but I have no doubt that being a part of a quality realm like Pike certainly helped that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, fantastic individual, uh, you know, again, not somebody that we've spent a huge amount of time with, but somebody that we definitely know as, as awesome.
1: And someone that I always make sure to track down when I'm at an event that I know she's at as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our next fighter is, and, and last fighter that we're going to talk about for this section, is Alexi. And Alexi is one of our premier spot fighters in the community. He's easily in my top ten list anytime I'm thinking of, like, the top fighters. And, I mean, he's just this, this compact,
1: like, ball of skill because the way he
0: moves and muscle oh yeah
1: you want to see muscle on muscle yeah Uh, he is probably one of the best fighters I've ever seen I have had almost no social interactions with Alexei I think he's kind of withdrawn and I am also pretty withdrawn so all I can really comment on is man that dude can swing stick yeah
0: and I, I've I've heard through the grapevine this might be one of those unconfirmed rumors. Perhaps somebody in Pike uh, might correct me on this. But I have, I'm fairly certain that Alexei has trained at like the national level in fencing. I want to say. And if you've ever been stabbed by him, you you could definitely get on board with this this idea because he's 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 incredibly skilled. His precision and his. And the strength.
1: Precise is exactly the word I was going to use there. So yeah, yeah that's there is no wasted anything when I see him fight.
0: And, and every time I've been hit by him, it was where he wanted. You could tell that there was purpose. You could tell that he had planned it out and that that was exactly where he wanted to hit you. There was nothing unpredictable about that swing. You still couldn't block it because it was super fast in a quadrant that you weren't protecting. But man,
1: yeah, great fighter. Um. so what events does uh, the Realm of Pike put on, and uh, when are they? So the one event that Pike officially puts on
0: is the Battle of Pike. Now, remember we had talked about Dyer being a mover and shaker. Uh, She started this about four years ago, and it is a monthly event. This is one of the only ones like this that I've ever heard of. Uh, A standing monthly event that is kind of designed to bring the various realms of western Washington and Oregon together under the
1: same kind of tent. This is a thing that I have seen more in other sports where they'll do, like, a big monthly gathering of multiple realms as opposed to uh, smaller individual practices like you and I do as much. Right. And it makes it so the the event, I don't want to say less special, but less um, big. You know, it, it's much more like an oversized practice that might have some food with it right? as opposed to, like, chaos wars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i really like i like a good day event so if you can get people together for a good day event once a month that sounds so incredible to me and if we ever get more events in kind of the local montana area i mean events more realms in kind of a local montana area i a hundred percent plan on stealing this
0: Oh yeah, it, and it's a great idea. I know that in the east they do something a little bit like this. Uh, for instance, Sage Hill and Durdamarion will do invasions of each other, mm-hmm. where you know one day they're like, okay, Durdamarion invades Sage Hill, and really what that means is Durdamarion goes to Sage Hill practice, and then you know uh, some other time Sage Hill will will invade Durdamarion and will go to Durdamarion practice, and so and and that's not the only two. A lot of the different event, uh, realms in that area participate in this kind of idea and it's it's really cool again we're so isolated where we are in montana that it's not really possible for us conceivably to do that but it's a really cool idea so if we get people in you know helena or kalispell and that sort of thing and can travel to each other heck yeah
1: yeah and if you are not living our life which most bellagrim aren't and we get to a point where you can go out again do this go to other realms learn other things it's huge. I mean, every realm, even close-by realms, have different uh, metas. So the more you can learn, the more useful you will be anywhere you go.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: What's the history of the realm? Are there any great tales
0: of past deeds worth sharing? I need to refine this question somewhat I know because most Belagrim are not very good record keepers. So no. the history of the realm can be kind of hard to come up with. Uh, that being said, we can definitely get a general idea about a realm by kind of thinking about their past exploits. And uh, pike makes an amazing showing in realm battles and they are often a part of this Babylonian empire that we had mentioned. And this includes, I'm gonna mess this up, sorry Kate, or sorry Kat, Tyr Nanog. Babylon, Nogue I think, but I could be wrong. I uh, anybody's guess. <laughs> it's Gaelic. Um, Babylon and Pike kind of make up this Babylonian empire. They often kind of band together. Pike, even on its own, is a huge force at Western Wars, uh, but that's kind of in their neck of the wood, and they, they typically mm-hmm. have a very good showing there.
1: Yeah, I mean that's like maybe fifty miles from them. Like it's it's in their backyard. Um, this confused me for a long time and i think it tends to be when people come up in one realm in this case babylon and then they spread for whatever reason as happens as you get older you know you move to a different town uh and but if you're still close enough you know the realms keep having those close interactions similar to the battle of pike thing we're talking about and if you only have a few people from each realm, when they come together to events, they're like, oh, we're just this empire. Right. Uh, I think it's a really interesting social group that happens in Belagarth. There are a couple different empires.
0: And, and they're, they're common where you have a lot higher population density and a lot more realms together. For instance, there's the Highlands of Chaos which are in uh idaho and they that's down in like southern idaho where you have a high concentration of realms uh there's a few empires that have started up out of utah you have two separate empires in california that's how many realms they have they've got socal and norcal which have you know their own traditions and their own realms that are a part of it
1: and it's really cool um i'm pretty sure the socal one is named anduril but again not 100 percent on that they're very far away yes And this is so confusing to us, even though we've joked about making a Stygian Empire for years, because we have this one very condensed realm, because all our fighters are in this same spot. Mm -hmm. But if you have five realms within 50 miles of each other, not everyone is going to that same spot. They'll go to whichever one is most useful for them generally. Right. Or they'll jump between the different realms. Like, oh, on Thursday I'm going to... um, Bob's realm, and I, I know so many realms. How could I not think of a real realm there? <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Friday, I'll go to Armored Penguins. See there. Uh, so you don't get this super dedicated realm loyalty that like you and I have, but you'll—you might get empire loyalty, kind of area loyalty. So it's—it's right. it's real interesting. It is, and and again, we might be more
0: prone to empire building if we weren't just owning more mountains. Which, yeah, we have
1: a lot of the remoteness of Stygia shows in almost everything that we do when someone comes out of Stygia. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What uh, what awards has your I say your what awards has
0: Pike won? Well, Pike has won multiple realm battles. They give a really good showing there, again, because they're used to practicing with one another. A lot of them are members of the same units, and so they have this this really good experience with teamwork, and they tend to function much better at realm battles than a lot of other realms do. Most realms are good, like you had said, at fighting themselves, like amongst themselves, but not necessarily Mm. good at uh, coming together against an external
1: threat. Well, and part of it is like, who is our leadership? Who is our, who's in charge? Pike, I've noticed, doesn't seem to have that. They all just already know what they're going to do together. They don't necessarily need somebody in charge because they all know Mm -hmm. what they're doing. I'm a big proponent of multiple units within one realm because it keeps kind of a power balance. Mm -hmm. But if your entire realm is one unit, you have your own kind of power balance. And you have definite advantages when it comes to things like... uh, Realm battles, and sure. I mean they're not all one unit, but there are definite like these ones tend to be the most dominant. Right,
0: right, and and so yeah, I get the the history speaks for itself. I I have witnessed them win many realm battles. In fact, I, I, it's become almost expected in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. That's
1: how well they perform. Even if they don't win the realm cloak, I expect them to give a good uh, show. Be a contender, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Who are the Pike Realm leaders and officials, and how are the leaders chosen?
0: Well, their leaders are generally chosen by vote. However, this year, with the whole COVID thing going on, they're doing a, a massive group project. Anybody who's wanting to be involved, wanting to contribute their voice to it, is is being able to be a part of that simply because of the uh, unorthodox year that we have been having. Um but uh, but yeah no, normally they they're ju- uh, chosen by a vote officially Alexi and Bear are their war council reps
1: mhm which is uh, a very important part of realm leadership stuff so I very much appreciate them absolutely being involved in doing what needs doing mhm uh, how would you describe Pike's realm culture are classes generally offered and what units are present in their realm I didn't hear about any
0: uh, official classes being offered, but their realm culture uh, vis-a-vis is very chill by their own uh, words. And they they hang out a lot in and out of practice. As we said, there's a lot of fighter houses out that direction. So so you have this very communal presence. They're very much involved in one another's lives, not just because they're fighting together, but because a lot of them are really good friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, the most common units there would be the Gelf, as we've already discussed, God Squad, Catalyst, Blackwater, and one member of the BOF. So they count.
1: Uh, who's BOF? Uh, I don't know. I'm not BOF. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, that is, I mean, just that is everything I think of of Oregon realms, honest. or Oregon units there. In mean, Gelf, God Squad, Catalyst, those are, in Blackwater, those are all high-quality fighters when they're out there. You know, every person who's swinging a stick is someone that you have to pay attention to.
0: Catalyst was another one of those that just kind of came out of nowhere and became very distinguished very
1: fast. Mm. You can never... Catalyst is small, and I think sometimes people see them in, like if you're newer to the West and be like, oh, that'll be fine. I got this. They're small. And then you don't necessarily got this. It is not fine. <laughs> And they all look so good doing it. I, I Catalyst, for not having a cohesive look, has such a cohesive look.
0: Yeah, no, they they, they definitely are very distinguished in many ways, uh, and not to say that like any of the other ones aren't. I just like Catalyst surprised me. It was another one of those that kind of like Vethrin You know, you first meet it and you're like, oh, it's small. It's kind of you know, it hasn't quite come into its prime yet. And the next time you meet it, it's just beast mode, and you have to give it your all to even have a chance at
1: winning. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's fun to talk about Catalysts, at least briefly here, because they're not someone we get to talk about as much.
0: Sure. Eventually, I want to do a full uh, unit report on them, for sure.
1: Well, we know some people, so that would be uh, doable. We do. What are uh, Pike's plans for the future of the realm? Well, for the most part, they're going to be
0: focusing on recruitment, which I'm sure a lot of us are after the pandemic is over, Mm. and also bringing the realms of Washington and Oregon into greater cohesion and support. Uh, For instance, Dyer really liked the cohesion that there was for a good long while there. Uh, It it is almost uh, perceived that things have been drifting apart. And so I know a lot of people are committed to, to definitely bringing that back together and having
1: more solidarity on the West Coast there that's inner as we've said realm communication can only be a good thing for the most part so you know the if if that happens we've already talked about pike's level to death here they're going to bring up everyone around them and the people around them are going to bring pike up to even greater heights
0: absolutely absolutely
1: well pike you're
0: definitely a place that i would love to visit and maybe even perhaps live near but we're going to go on to another empire that we have discussed and are going to kind of need to go into more depth on which is that of the gelf. My time to shine. You may have already guessed because Thumbs does talk about it quite a bit that he is a part of the gelf. And I was figuring that because the gelf and pike are fairly interconnected in terms of, like, members, that this might be a good parallel to draw between the two of them. Also, the Gelf have an empire of their own. So, two empires, catchy title, I thought it worked. So for you Thumbs, I've got some questions. Hit me. When was the unit founded?
1: Okay. So I'm going to tell a quick story before I attempt to answer that, of just getting this information. I message Zuyang one of the most prominent gulfs she'll come up again later in this and I'm like Zoo I have some questions can you help me out here of like history and she goes oh just look at our history file that we keep on our page you'll find it there and then she went and read the history file herself and reached out to me and be like I am so sorry that is not hmm oh our record keeping is bad so if some of my answers are a little vague here understand why right we don't actually know for sure when the unit was founded and our history document is written in universe so it also involves a mad wizard creating genetically engineered or enhanced depending on who's talking life forms and doesn't give the greatest of details (laughs) but we trace a lot of our stuff down to cargos who is our king slash emperor um, I'm not sure how he got elected. I've asked a couple of times, and they're just like, he's our king. If if you're going to just declare somebody king, though, Cargos is a good bet. He's such a nice man. I love Cargos so much. And he's very reliable at sending presents on Pokemon Go. But he started in roughly 1995, 1996. So he's been around several years longer than you and I have. Yeah. Um, and then the big expansion of the Empire happened at Chaos Wars 8. Now this was like just before
0: i started going to chaos wars my first chaos wars was nine and at that point when i interacted with the gelf it seemed as though they had been a very established very large unit for quite a while so it it actually surprised me quite a bit to find out that their big expansion only happened
1: a year before i encountered them for the first time there had been a few gelf that had been there for a while you know like founders at that point but when they came out when they decided that they were going to become the Empire, the Gelfan Empire, they did it in force.
0: Oh, yeah. It seems to have been quite effective.
1: So, what realms uh, have members of your unit? Some of this has gotten really expanded just because people have moved on. They might live in places without realms or anything like that. But, I mean, we have Corion, we have Ebenhold, we have Wrath, we have Pike. We have Babylon, we have Eredua, Stygia, Lera, Talanor, Andor, Aquilonia. Some of those realms don't exist anymore, but they had heavy Gelf presence at the time. So basically the whole western half of the United States. I don't think we currently have anyone in California, but just because the people that we did have in California recently moved. Fair enough. But I mean, Utah, Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, if uh, Arizona... I think New Mexico, someone lives there. I don't know if there's even practices there right now, but there's Gulf. <laughs> uh, if you are in the West, there is a good chance that there is a Gulf not terribly far from you. Is that a promise or a threat? Take
0: your pick. All right. So, in the whole of the unit, how many people, both fighters and non combatants, do you have? In addition, what is the average event attendance, and which events are the most important to the Gulf?
1: So we have somewhere around 80 members all told. But I'm going to say there, there is a definite difference between active and inactive members. Okay. Because uh, people can quit, but I think there's only ever been like one or two people who quit the Gelf, who are no longer members. They may have retired from the sport, but still are considered Gelf. Uh, being Gelf is much more than just being on the field for us You know, Zuyon, who I mentioned for this Hasn't been active In the sport Like, you know, going to events in several years But she's still an extremely active Gelf But we, you know, we have like 80 members told We probably have At least 30 members who have voting rights Which means that they have been to a big Gelf event In the last Four, five years, something like that Nice I think it might just be three it it got confusing this year because we didn't have any events, so we had to decide what that meant. Uh an average event attendance though is like a good twelve people. There is plenty of events in the West that have much smaller. Chaos Wars tends to have much larger and especially since we have members who are Gelf who are also EBF or who are also God Squad, uh the the numbers can get pretty large.
0: Now, sometimes not all those Gelf are fighting
1: on the same side though, right? Nope. We have some people who don't fight with the Gelf anymore, or don't fight with the Gelf at all, but who are still very active Gelf. A Darian, for example, is a Gelf who doesn't tend to fight with Gelf, but he is super active in our nightlife and making Gelf culture better. So he is 100% a Gelf. I love that guy. Darien is so good. He is
0: the tallest gnome in existence. You know, I asked him one time, I was I was like, so what's your race? And he was like, I'm a gnome. And I was like, you're awfully tall for a gnome. And he was like, dude, we're playing make-believe. I can be whatever I
1: want. <laughs> like, Fair <laughs> enough, I man. think that's Fair just enough. his favorite joke. Oh, he's so <laughs> lovely. And he, we did a Pokemon-themed pub once, and he dressed up as a junior trainer wearing shorts and just went around the whole day hanging out with people and occasionally spouting off things that like the trainer would say. Oh, that's funny. So to this day, he'll just pop up and be like, "I like shorts." <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so he, tell me about some other prominent members of the Gelf. Dop is
1: Dop is the heart and soul of our, you know, of our event of our group, uh, and it would probably kill him that I said that, but he is. We have had people, including myself, who thought Dop was the leader, and then found out later that he wasn't, and he was kind of horrified at that idea.
0: He just has boss energy, you know. Like, I mean, I knew the very first Chaos Wars I went to that he was in charge. I I had never met the man, but just the way he carried himself and the way people
1: deferred to him, I knew he was big business. Daddy Dop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Cargos, who we've already mentioned. We ha- have Da Wraith, who is one of the sweetest people I've ever known, and is just a a killer archer. Archery is big in the Gulf. Uh, You know, Zuyon, who I've already mentioned, almost wrote the rules for archery. Like, she was heavily involved with how they're written out. She is an absolute beast. Uh, We have Apex, who does DJing all of the time. He does DJing for, like, live at events, and he has done, you know, some just like uh, shows uh, online as much as possible in this last year.
0: And I've enjoyed his stuff, too. Now, now, remember when I was talking about being an old crotchety dude that didn't want to move past hand drums, uh, you know, Sarah broke me into it. But, you know, I heard Apex and I was like, "Nah, this is pretty OK. I'm OK
1: with this. Yeah, I'm cool with this. Uh, we have the brothers Pokshaw and Cannabis, And I mean, we have talked about them so many times on this on this podcast. They Res- are
0: respectively just stellar fighters.
1: Oh, and both of them. And you can if you watch them fight, it's like what we've mentioned with Kitetsu and Toto. You can see how their skill came from just beating each other up constantly. Because they have very different styles, but they're just designed to fight each other. That, and they also work for fighting everybody else, too. Oh, yeah. But it, it's one of those, if you have a set partner that you're fighting constantly, you pick up some amazing skills. Absolutely. Uh, dire who we have already mentioned here. Uh, she's she's pretty uh, involved in the Gelf too, right? She's pretty active. She was, I think, one of the first recruits we picked up. She came in before I did. Uh, once we started recruiting again, because we, like the Dark Angels, went through a period where we weren't really taking in new people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she was just active. She was in the same way with Pike. She proved that she belonged there from the very beginning. hmm Uh, My hero. And and I wasn't Gelf yet at the time, but I saw some of it. And and she was one of the people that made me go, oh, maybe I could do that. We have Slate who came in, you know, we've already talked about him, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but he came in the same time that I did. On those same levels, we have Sin and Naga who came in at the same time I did. And I feel very close to those three as, well, and four if we include Grizzly, who's not as active in the sport, but is very active in Stygia. They they are a very co- close core group for me that I just love to death.
0: I can't blame you. I I know Sin and Naga pretty well, and and they are also stellar individuals. Naga is another one of those people that it's almost like she lays on hands. You know, she can just bring a piece to the room. She can she like she has a way of listening. Like I I don't know. Like she's she is just. A very cool person. I'm. I'm a huge fan of Naga, and I can't say too many. Po- I mean, I can't say enough positive things about Sin. <laughs> that's what I. That's how I meant to phrase it. Very now,
1: different sentence there.
0: Yes. No. Sin. Sin is outstanding. The very first em- event that I met her at, I knew that we were going to be friends just because. I, I, like, she just has such cool energy. And, but, but in that same token, you know, don't, don't mess with her. Like, she, she is absolutely uh, nitroglycerin very very like it's like sparkly like nitroglycerin that has like glitters on the glitter on the bottle but don't let that glitter fool you because it's still nitroglycerin <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. well and sin and naga do a yearly consent class at chaos wars oh nice like that is that is mind blowing that i mean it's not that it's a thing that exists that's mind blowing but just that they thought of doing that and they take the time to do that and they do the research i've watched them prepare for that class every year they have to work hard and what a brilliant thing to bring into the culture
0: absolutely some some real moral lessons to mix in with our just sheer nerdery
1: and in it as such a serious subject but in such a uh, calm friendly way of doing it too of like you know the 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 definitions of consent and like how we talk about it has changed a lot in the last decade absolutely And so let's have... But we don't have a great place to teach that in society. So let's make a place to teach that. Oh, it is just chef's kiss. It is just perfect. It
0: was brilliant. Now, before we move on to the next question, Thumbs, I don't want you to do yourself a discredit because I noticed that your name
1: was missing from this list of prominent Gulf members. And I promise you, I teased the person that wrote this out relentlessly about that. (laughs) Not that I'd be like, I'm one of the best of the unit, but like, uh, just like oh i see how it is
0: let me just nerd out about thumbs real quick he he is another one of those quality individuals i came up with him in the sport you know he's just he's always been involved he's he's always wanted to like be doing something to be making things better whether it was volunteering or or taking on responsibilities he's just he's been a fantastic force here in stygia and he's taken that to, to the wider realm i know that he's respected in the wider community i know that he's respected in the gulf because they talk about him All the time, we had him as our realm leader here. (laughs) We had him as our (laughs) realm leader here for quite a while, and he did he did a a very good job. He, probably one of the longest standing realm leaders we've had, uh, just simply because, you know, he was good at it. So, uh, I I figured he wasn't going to talk about himself, so I wanted to talk about him a little bit.
1: Well, I love you too. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I that actually lets me kind of bring in possibly the best piece of advice I can give a Belagrim is you know fight for to make things better and that's important you are going to make mistakes while oh, you yeah. do that oh yeah you i could i'm not going to but i could list my mistakes just non-stop but what's important is learning from those mistakes and just making sure to do better next time
0: and having the accountability to recognize when you have not lived up to your expectations
1: and be like, well, I messed that up, and I don't get to forget it, but I also don't get to, like, wallow torture owners. myself. Yes, wallow is the perfect word.
0: Yeah, no, we all have setbacks, we all have uh, mistakes and accidents that happen in our lives, but, you know, it's what's going forward that matters.
1: Mm-hmm. So, does your unit sponsor an event? Not officially, but we tend to be pretty heavily involved in Western Wars, and uh, DOP, runs chaos wars chaos wars is dops he's tried to retire so many times but nobody can do it as well as DOP. uh and he's talked about selling it to someone else basically and the people who talk about buying it from him taking over full time tend to be gelf as well so like <laughs> chaos wars isn't ours but it's sort of ours you're heavily involved we have had years where we haven't really been able to go for the banner because there's no one to do volunteer points because all of us are running things and like event heads can't get volunteer points because it would just it would break the system yeah (laughs) like um a little bit of nepotism there so we are just we are so involved with chaos wars uh i mean we put our camp in the dead center of chaos wars on purpose And
0: y'all's camp is, like, really open, too. Like, I've been in a lot of camps that are more constrictive. You've only got, like, maybe one or two entrances. But, like, Gelf Camp has a lot of entrances, and everything's very open and spread out. It's very peaceful.
1: We have three big ones. We spread it so there are huge spaces. And not just for, like, so people can find us, but we need space to play washers. Or for our huge tent or all of these things. Uh, we always have a big fireplace. It is all about inclusivity,
0: I think. So again, you may not necessarily sponsor an event, but you are definitely a, a positive contribution to any event that you're at.
1: hmm
0: I hope so, at least. That's, yeah. So let's talk about the history of the unit. Are there any great tales of the past you feel worth sharing?
1: So we sent this, uh, Zhu Yan wrote this out, and I love you, Zhu But all we got back for this section was cake formation. With
0: like an exclamation point.
1: Yes. So the, the the cake formation, I have never been lucky enough to do cake formation, which is an endless tragedy to me. And it is literally taking cake out onto the field with us. It is some top level shenanigans. That's like Horde level shenanigans right there. And uh, yeah, you know, I hung out with Gord once and we played... I hung out with Horde, not Gord, Horde <laughs> once, and we played Duck, Duck, Goose. Uh, but I would much rather sit down and just eat a bite of cake first. Let them eat cake. Naga and Sin one year, they were the only Gelf at an event, so they decided they were going to Gelf it proper, and they brought cupcakes out onto the field. And I mean, there's pictures of me just eating a cookie while fighting someone, so obviously I have found my home. Uh, Yeah, evidently. Other great one that we do is night meats are a huge thing for us, which is just in the middle of the night, when the party is starting to lag a little bit, bring out a barbecue and just make food meat we once at a stygia event ended up with way more um hot dogs than we knew what to do with so we just fed the whole event hot dogs nice we uh another day we did burgers uh dop is all about this just popping up and meat here i made these but we also have plenty of vegetarian gelf so even though it's still night meats sometimes night meats might involve like Orabella mushrooms, or mm. you know, veggie burgers. Like, it's very carnivorous, but we have been pretty open with the fact of uh, expanding beyond that.
0: Sure, sure. Well, you know, I have a story of the Gelf to tell too. Uh huh. And I know I've probably mentioned this in the past, but it is one of my very favorite stories to tell. So, if you'll indulge me a moment, indulge away, my dear boy. It was Chaos Nine. I was but a wee fighter, new to the ways of the field. I was a conscript of the uruk at that time. And as far as I knew, the uruk and the Gelf were allied. They had this whole kind of Western alliance going on. And there was a big chance that one or the other might take the title that coveted Chaos Wars banner. Now, one night I was walking through the field and I saw a large uh, congregation of people out there. And I strayed closer. I'm not sure if they knew I was there, and I heard them whispering. And one of the things I heard was, "If it comes down to it, Numenor takes the banner." Now, Numenor is a, a group from out east that had come west rather in force uh, to to kind of challenge the Western Alliance. Now, the, but the Urukai were were an up and coming force. They were not that old at that point, and so these kind of older units conspired against the Urukai. I raced back to camp, bursted into my unit leader's tent, and conveyed all of that I possibly knew to him. Over the next several days, every time a unit battle was called, we simply sprinted straight into the Guelph, with no regard for whether or not we won. We knew we weren't going to. There was a a pact against us. But we were certainly going to make the Guelph hurt for their betrayal. And so in my mind, for the longest time, betrayal and Guelph were synonymous. But I was wrong. I hope so. I mean... (laughs) Every other experience I've had with the Gelf has been fantastic. As we've been going off this list, I'm like, yeah, Naga, we live together. I love that gal. Dyer, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. I love that gal. You know, Dar Wraith. I I knew from the very moment that we met each other we were going to be pals. Because he's just... Such a gentle man. I love Dar Wraith. Um, So again, obviously... I've gotten over my, my bias, my intrinsic bias (laughs) (laughs) toward the Gelf. But I still like telling that story because it's fun.
1: This is like the only time that we would tell the story of the time this unit went, but like betrayal in one of these as are like, what's great stories about this unit? If,
0: if only to show the exact opposite side, because everything else we've been saying about the Gelf is like, you guys are fantastic. You're involved. You're amazing. But I had to bring up, you know, the betrayal.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Well, and I like it because, I mean, it has almost reached the point of prose in your retellings over the years.
0: I'm getting good at it. I'm going to be able to tell it like an epic at some point. So speaking of uh, these these cool stories and everything, has your unit received any cool awards?
1: Uh, since Chaos tends to be the one that we're active at that has awards, um, most of our prizes come from Chaos Wars. We have won the banner a few times, and even if we don't win the banner, we tend to place pretty high.
0: Not just because of
1: your field presence, but also because of the amount of volunteer work you do. Mm-hmm. And as I said, we usually have at least one Gelf who is event-running things, so they don't get points. Right. So I, I, I... Not to brag, but to brag, like, we are active and stuff. And good at what you do. Mm-hmm. And we have won the uh, unit banner a few times as well. Nice. Which is... Purely a combat thing, but still, super fun, super good to get. A feather to put in your cap. I loved wandering around wearing that for like an hour one time.
0: <laughs>
1: I would say heresy, but uh, I, uh, yeah, obviously heresy. It's technically the unit cloak, but I mean, it, banner cloak, same thing. Yeah,
0: it's 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 a cool <laughs> banner. So, who are your unit leaders and officials?
1: Uh, Cargos is our king or our emperor. I've heard both. Uh, and I, again, am not 100% sure why, because I don't think Cargo wants to be, but we have just, he is our eternal monarch. That makes it sound bad. I'm sorry. Cargos <laughs> is very good at what he does. I just have never been 100% sure. He's like our, like, moral center in a lot of ways. I can see it. And then we tend to have five senators. The senators have two-year periods, and they just deal with whatever needs going. Uh, right now, we have Aton, we have Waif, we have Benoit, we have Paksha, and we have Niobe, Uh which is a great list of Senators. Yeah, and, I
0: recognize several of those names.:
1: Oh man, if I could just go off on every Gelf that I love, this podcast would be like six hours long, and I'd still be missing people. So we'd be here a while. If I do not mention you here, just it's, I've got such deep affection for everyone we're talking about. We had, we had to pick
0: some... That was the thing with both...
1: Like I was talking to Dyer about the
0: Pike information, and she was like, I, I'm just having such a hard time not writing everybody down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I absolutely get that. And it's not an insult to those who haven't gotten written down. It's just a matter of, you know, there does need to be some sort of concise list. And these were the
1: ones that made the cut. When we do Stygia, we're gonna ha- someday we're going to have the exact same problem.
0: Oh yeah, we're not going to be able to name off everybody in Stygia. I mean, we're not the biggest realm, but, you know, there's, there's uh, a few of big us. Big enough! Yeah, big, en- big enough that we cannot name everybody.
1: How would you describe your unit culture? Our unit culture is in some ways one of the most rounded cultures I have seen hmm. of units. And I don't mean that as an insult towards any unit. But, like, for example, the EBF is a very combat-focused unit. That yeah. is that is their strongest skill. The Juggernauts have a lot of things, but one of their biggest skills is setting up a really great camp setup. Mm. Like, that is one of their specialties. We have great fighters. We have our Paksha. We have our Katabis. We have, you know, all of the people we've talked about. But we also have people who set up just an amazing camp life. You know, there is always someone there playing washers. We have the camp tent, the, the nap tent, just, like beautifully designed to be perfect for passing out for a person or two now now tell us about the nap tent a little bit this sounds intriguing the nap tent is literally just one of those like shade tents it's not a full tent but just like the kind of two wall kind of setup and then we have like 10 pillows that are all pretty comfortable that all have the gelf snake put on them and we have some blankets over there and it is if you ever need a lie down and you don't have to be gelf to do this you just have to i've I've used it yeah you have to be welcome in gelf camp and you just generally have to be an okay person to do that so it's not terribly difficult if you need to go have a lie down and no one's using the nap tent you go use the nap tent it's important we have a nice big fire we have so many chairs that we have a chair graveyard you know we we wreck more chairs in a week than most units just have chairs around their fire to make sure that there's always a place for people to sit our our uh, kitchen is second to none as far as i'm concerned
0: Uh, that is absolutely true i was uh, one of the events that I was a mercenary for, and I was going to uh, represent the Gelf um, as a mercenary there, I was a part of the Gelf meal plan, and oh my gosh, that was it's
1: so good! That was enjoyable, yeah. So, I mean, we have people who their focus is on everything. I think of us more as a social club than anything else because we take in people from all walks of life who have bonded over this thing this thing of being Gelf, hmm. and I mean, like. I talked to Gelf in some cases more since the pandemic started than I did before, just because we made sure we had lines of communication open early and often. We have a weekly, we have a twice weekly Zoom meeting, and we don't have lots of people. But there's days where there's like 15 people hanging out on that meeting, and then there's days that there's just like three of us. But it's always just so nice. We, we're we're so. It's one of the things I love about Stygia, too, and it's probably why I was drawn to the Gulf. It is a bunch of people who are so genuinely happy to see each other. I dig
0: that. I dig that. And you can feel it, too. Anytime I'm in Gulf camp, I'm like, wow, these, these folks really like hanging out together. Mm-hmm. And that creates a nice energy. It's a good place to
1: be. Finally, what are the future plans for the Gulf? The, the two plans listed are. They almost feel like polar opposites, but they're not. It's to maintain chaos and uh, come up with a more cohesive system of like records and bylaws and rules. And what it is, is we don't want to lose any of our flavor of what is Gelf. We want to expand our flavor of what is Gelf. We are bringing new people who are perfect for us. I'm so excited about all of it. But we also are realizing that as I, I, I said before, that there was that period of time where we weren't bringing in new people. I was one of the earlier generations of new recruitment. We are realizing that we need to have, you know, the stuff that everyone knows written down. Because the old guard, for various reasons, aren't always is able to be active, like it's true with any unit.
0: And eventually, you know, there's going to be a new old guard that doesn't necessarily know the same stories as the old old guard did. Yeah, it
1: blows me away to realize that I'm kind of at the mid-guard stage at this point. Like, because I've been at Gael for like five years now. Yeah, we're we're middle-aged as fighters go. Oh boy. Uh, So that that really threw me. And I don't always know all of this stuff. Or it's stuff that was just kind of understood. Or maybe things that culturally in Belegarth weren't considered as necessary as we consider them today. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of work on disorganized organization. We still want to be this big chaotic club. But we want to be a big chaotic club that, you know, we don't have to re-educate ourselves on on what the basic rules are for, like, joining every couple of years.
0: Well, that's fair. And and then also being able to know what happened, uh, you say, in the, in the mm-hmm. past. You know, the different uh, struggles that were overcome, lessons that were learned. Those are all good things to know, too, so people don't have to go through the process again.
1: Now, I've been having dreams about golf camp. I'm... Um, I'm just going to go think about that when we're done recording. <laughs>
0: I don't, I've been dreaming about Knife Alley, too. That's, that's the uh, Dark Angel camp, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely feel you there, bro. We're all missing our wargaming, no doubt. So today, we've covered two Western empires. The first one is that of Pike uh, and, and their involvement in the Babylonian Empire and just the sheer qu- quantity of quality individuals that Pike produces. And the second was the Empire of the Gelf who have been absolutely instrumental in the development of the sport and of our our most beloved events like Chaos Wars. And between these two, we have the two Western empires. Now, as we come to the end here, I need to remind you that if you're looking for new ways or other ways to connect with the art of wargaming, we have an Instagram and a Facebook where you are able to see the memes that i post i'm getting quite good a lot way. of memes lately too yeah. so i'm not quite a meme lord maybe a, a meme marquee at this point um but i'm getting there so yeah come come see the the funny and historical memes that we like to post uh if you've got questions critiques criticisms concerns you can email us at artof gaming podcast at gmail.com and then uh, also if you're if you're looking for other stuff to listen to we have the uh, the other wonderful shows on the Earverm Network.
1: Yeah, you can find all of the stuff we were talking about, at, as well as us, at earverm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M dot com. You can also find our website at t a o taowargaming.com. And, yeah, I guess that's our stuff. Uh, yeah, that's, uh,
0: that's the show for today. We thank you for tuning in and listening about these two... Uh, Absolute Paragons of Belagarth Culture, and we hope you'll tune in next week where I start uh, the the new unit on the management of savagery.
1: Uh, Real quick, before we take off, I just want to say, you know, because I'm taking my uh, break as we talked about, uh, thank you so much for everyone who listens to us, like, on a personal level as well as just a podcast level. Uh, The interaction that we've had here, the... this this podcast has been so fun for me so i so much appreciate that you guys listen and encourage us and me personally like
0: yeah it's it's absolutely wonderful to to have your support and thumbs we will miss you while you are gone on your sabbatical but we look forward to your return again i love you too buddy so for this episode it's been yaga malark and i'm Thumbs. signing off